What is up, friends? Welcome back to episode 33 of the Hard Hitting Sports Podcast. Following up after our nice little bye week, my name is Jack Bradley. Uh, as always, on the left of my Zoom screen, jo- joined by my co-host, Jordan Lauby. Jordan, how we doing today? I'm doing good, man. A little banged up from the past couple of weeks of football. Got a nice big bruise on my leg, but we're 4-0 in the conference, 5-0 nationally. We're looking real solid going into our homestand. First home game this Saturday on my birthday, actually, July 31st, 7 p.m. Feel free to come through. It's about $10 per person. I believe five for students and anyone 12 and under is free. So feel free to come through, enjoy some football. Uh, It's good to have some ramp up before the NFL season starts. So if you're looking for that action over in Marlboro at Kelleher Field, going to be very exciting playing the Rhode Island Cowboys. That should be a great game Saturday night. So feel free to come through. Other than that, things have been going great personally, just, you know, taking it day by day, seeing what opportunities come up and doing the best we can. What about you, buddy? Uh, It's been awesome. Uh, We'll get to the Red Sox Yankees, but I was there on Sunday for what may have been the marquee win for the Red Sox. Uh, Been doing some nice vacationing out in Charleston for a little bit of time. Really nice down there. If you ever get the opportunity to head out there, people are nice. Beer's good. Food was good. Uh, Electric atmosphere out there. So, um hence why we took some time off over here but uh going back to Jordan's point I will actually be at his game this upcoming Saturday so if anyone is in the area um I know pretty much a lot of people that do listen to this uh have met me before but definitely feel free to look out um and this gives me an excuse too to chant Cowboys suck and get ready for uh regular season (laughs) NFL football so I'm really looking forward to that uh, so I wish oh, you guys the best incredible. of luck. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Got a, got a good tailgate going for Jordan's 24th, his Kobe year, kicking it off right. So I'm excited to be there for it. Yes, sir. Um, awesome. Well, hey, uh, as always. Speaking of Kobe, as man, say, I mean. Jam-packed basketball? episode. Basketball. Uh, so oh. last time, it's, it was funny. I was thinking about this on my ride to work this morning. So last time we were on this podcast, we had the Boyers Not Ballers. And we were talking about how Giannis is going to have a great performance, but just like LeBron did in his first NBA finals, basically, you know, appreciate the effort. And that was going to be the series, man. Were we wrong? Fucking man. Were we wrong? Giannis. I mean, we weren't wrong about Giannis. He had a great series, but um, we also said the series was going to come down to free throws and Giannis fucking came clutch in game six with that. Absolutely. I mean, no, I mean, we're basically, I mean, obviously our hitter of the week here, Giannis Antetokounmpo, there, there's no real question there. So we were, we last recorded when it was 2-1 in the series. Uh, Giannis, just an all-time great game six performance, 50 points, like you said, Jordan, 17 of 19 from the free throw line. You knew when he wasn't missing that they were not going to lose that basketball game. He was everywhere on the floor. Um, even in that game six, Middleton, Holiday, those guys didn't have huge games. Bobby Portis probably had the second biggest game um, of everyone on that team. So, um, I mean, an all-time finals performance, 35 points a game, 13.2 rebounds, 61.8% from the field. I mean, man, it's it's he was on another level. He was on an absolute another level. Mm-hmm. It was just – it was a treat to watch. I'm happy for the man. Did it – you know, I know LeBron had to leave go back you know one of the first homegrown guys in a while I feel like I mean other than Steph Curry maybe uh to come out and win a championship and be the guy on that team so I'm really happy for him Um, I'm happy for the Bucks and that was my preseason pick so I was never wrong the whole time yeah that's that's actually insane that you had that right from day one you should have put money on it I should have just like the Suns but hey (laughs) oh well yeah that's wow the the fact that the preseason you picked the Bucks and then mid-season you picked the Suns and they both made it's actually crazy. Yeah, and I had and I had Clippers to begin the season out of the West, and I mean they they made a pretty good run uh, considering mm-hmm. they haven't made a Western Conference Finals in their franchise history. So I'll pat myself on the back a little bit. You got any uh, major takeaways though? Because I mean, well, we had games four I... through six basically since we last recorded. I mean, game four was crazy. Middleton was absolutely electric. But Booker carried this team as much as he could, and no the, one else performed. The all-hard-hitting sports podcast, game four. 40-plus for both those guys. Uh, pretty electric stuff over there. So, um, like to see that. And then game five, obviously, too. Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, all combined for uh, 38 made field goals. Uh, combined for, if my math's right, about, like, 70 plus points 80 plus points that's that's like 80 almost 90 yeah so 
Big three stepped up. Chris Paul, too, just uh, kind of fell off. Kind of feel bad for the guy a little a bit. A lot of turnovers, which is unusual for him in clutch yeah. moments. Yeah, eight assist, and those last four games, eight assists, 3.3 turnovers per game. Uh, did still shoot over 50% from the field, but just didn't look like he could find it. He had a negative plus minus in all those games, especially game four was minus 13. Game six was minus eight. Um, so just a really tough performance for him. I mean, like I said, he did shoot in over uh, 50% or better in three of the four games, but just he didn't look like he was himself towards the end of that series. I don't know how much of it was injury or, or whatnot, but um, definitely tough look for him. Definitely. I just... Who knows? But, I mean, it's over and done with at this point, I think. When you look back at the tape, the Bucks were clearly the better team, especially in those last four games that they won four straight, you know, which is crazy to think about. Not many – only four other teams in NBA history have done that. We won't go through the teams because I think that will be my trivia question later on. Oh, okay. Don't look anything up. We'll find find out some some info on that later. There you go. Yeah, that's kind of off the top that I was like, hey, let's just do some trivia. Um, But either way, like, just even, like, when you look at the stature, like, that's an incredible performance. But when you you watch the tape and see how he got those points and how he played defensively, like, Giannis had single-handedly a top five finals or top ten finals performance all time, arguably top five. Um, Some people have said it's one of the best in the past 20 years. And that it's just incredible the type of run that he was able to go on and how he was able to do to win his first NBA title, get the first title for the Bucks in 50 years. And it just put this team on the map. I mean, this is almost reminiscent to what the Warriors did back, what was it, 2014, 2015, when they won their first one in four yeah. years? Yeah. When they went on that run, almost became a dynasty. The Bucks had that because they're the same way. They built themselves in the ground up like the Warriors did throughout most of the beginning of the 2010s with Clay and Steph. Draymond's there. Iguodala's there getting some playing time. And then they just built up. You know, the, this Bucks team is very similar in that way where they've – Middleton and Giannis were I, – I said it two weeks ago – were the worst players in 2K14. And now they are two of the best players in the NBA. Yeah. Giannis is definitely top three. Middleton's top 15. You know, and they, and they showed out. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely electric. And adding a guy like Drew Holiday, too. Um, that was awesome. Brought wonders. I mean, I look at the, like, even just comparing it from a Celtics perspective, or even a Sixers, um, not that Ben Simmons is, like, bad at distributing the basketball, but you get a guy who's an absolute scorer, who has been to the playoffs before, has made playoff runs before, all-star, um, you know, signs an extension out in Milwaukee, like, that's just, I mean, Bobby Portis, guys like that. I mean, I compare Bobby Portis to Marcus Smart. Like, you need guys like Bobby Portis on your team to win a championship. Pat Connaughton hitting cut shots. I know we gave him a lot of shit on this podcast for some of the shots that he missed in his defense, but he stepped up huge for this team. Brooke Lopez, you had him as your hitter one of the weeks um, when Giannis was out. Just every guy on this team stepped up. I mean, the Suns did the same thing. And Bryn then Forbes. Kind of Bryn too. Forbes had a huge series against Miami. Like, you look down the line, like it was what a championship team does in any sport. You have guys off the bench mm-hmm. contributing. Obviously, Giannis was huge, but he missed a few games in the playoffs. So, um, just all, all in all, you, you can't really say anything negative about the Bucs. Um, no. They bounced back from two 2-0 two, series deficits. We're down one nothing to Atlanta in that series. So, um, all in all, just, I mean, Budenholzer kept his job. It's, it's, it's a good story. It's a good team. Um, bunch of guys that definitely deserved it. So it was exciting to see that. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of people will attribute their, not a lot of people, but some people will attribute their wins to injuries they faced along the way and teams that were somewhat depleted, but they still played a heat team that was very similar to the team that was there a year ago in the finals beat. And that team. granted they had a hobble hard and they didn't have Kyrie, but still a very good Nets team that proved they could play without Kyrie mm-hmm. for about half the season. Um, you know, that they just deserve to be in this position that they're in with an NBA trophy because they went in and said, we're going to go against all the haters. We're going to have our guy who's been MVP lead us there. We're going to have our best role players do exactly what they need to do. And honestly, going back to your Drew Holiday point, like just getting rid of Eric Bledsoe and bringing Holiday in, we're seeing how huge that's paying off yeah. for them right now, you know? Yeah. And like Eric Bledsoe is a solid player. But Drew Holiday obviously is a better fit for this Bucks team. 
in terms of distributing, making open shots when you need them, and just being an adept defender. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's a great on-ball defender. He's a great distributor, kind of like what we've seen. I mean, obviously, Steph Curry, the exception, but guys like Kyle Lowry, um, I'm trying to think the Lakers. Rondo stepped up last year for them. So having a defensive point guard who can distribute the basketball and doesn't need to be the guy um, has also proven in a lot of these more recent championships. Even Lonzo's second half of the season, I know they haven't made playoffs yet since he's been in New Orleans, but still, like, Lonzo could be that type of player where he's, especially second half of the season, where he can be that Drew Holiday type where he can mm-hmm. distribute the ball, make open shots, and be a good defender. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. Hopefully, I know the Celtics have been rumored to him pretty heavily. Celtics, um, some other teams too. Philly, if if they do move on from Ben Simmons. Um, Portland, if they do move on from Dame Lillard, so – um yeah i mean i don't really have much else to say i know this happened over or about a week ago now as shmurda would say uh bobby shmurda portis <laughs> would say so um i don't know if you have anything else i know we had a little bit other basketball topics to cover but obviously uh exciting season you got any any too early 2022 season predictions grizzlies to the finals <laughs> wow grizzlies to the finals Grizzlies to the finals? I mean, I did say Ja MVP, but that was 2023. Grizzlies to the finals. All right. Mine is uh, <laughs> mine is this de- this is very dependent on if the Celtics make a trade. Jason Tatum MVP. Interesting. Okay. okay. If they if they if they trade for Brad Beal, I don't know about that. I was going to say he was going to win the scoring title, but and honestly, he could. He could if, but again, if they get Brad Beal, probably not happening. Uh, Can I make a funny off-season prediction? Please do it. <laughs> and Simmons to the Nets for Blake Griffin and Kyrie. Yeah, okay. Okay, that would, you, Philly would that still would wouldn't win anything. Ridiculous. Philly still no. wouldn't win anything. <laughs> no. And neither would the Nets, so I'd be okay with it, honestly. No. In all honesty, no. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Lit. Well, uh, before we like kick it over to anything like baseball related, uh, you've been watching any of the Olympic? I mean, I know there was only one Olympic game, but Evan Fournier, holy shit. Crazy. I mean, Rudy Gobert too. Not many people talk about game, his yeah. performance. Like he, even though he didn't do great stat wise, he was just, he did what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. It was an electric game. Kevin Durant fouling out of that game. I think it was like mm-hmm. one of six. Uh, it's just like, I mean, I didn't watch the game live. I obviously I was, at, I was on my way to the Sox game, but it's just wild to like see, cause they, they were what one and two in exhibition play, which obviously it doesn't matter, but they had never really lost in exhibition games in past seasons. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's just guys are like playing for the whistle, like they do in the regular season. And especially when you have a bunch of superstars, when you have Dame, when you have KD, when you have Beal, when you have JT, when you have, list goes on and on of guys who are superstar caliber players who get fouls all the time it's like when you're not getting that in these kind of games i mean it's, it's a little embarrassing you ask me yeah. honestly um it is especially know. with a 16 to 2 run to end the game yeah no absolutely so um they bounce i think they'll play i don't even know what the schedule looks like but i'm sure they'll bounce back i don't see them not getting into the uh the tournament i think there's eight teams that have a chance to go for gold after pool play and i think they play six or yeah. five or six games so um I don't see them not getting into that, but obviously it's a little bit of a red flag there. Um, I would yeah, say. just a little bit. If you're Team USA. Yeah. And then um, draft Thursday. Can we talk about Simone Biles real quick? Oh, yeah, go for it. Yes, so Simone had to withdraw uh, this, I think this morning. She withdrew with an apparent injury. Mm-hmm. But the Olympic Committee said that she cannot do the normal stunt she does because no one else can do them, and it is deemed too difficult and would mm-hmm. be unfair to properly judge based on skill set. And as someone that's all for inclusion, as someone that's all for giving everyone their fair chance, this is absolute bullshit. Yeah. Like, she is the greatest gymnast ever. Not, no question about it and is being told she cannot do extremely difficult moves because no one else has the ability to do them. Uh, like, to me, it's – I think it's so stupid. But that would, that's that's that, all I got to say on that. But I'm like, say, that, would, that would, just to put it in perspective, that would be the equivalent of them tell – like, Major League Baseball being like, yeah, Shohei, you, you can't pitch. You can only hit. Yeah. Because exactly. no one else pitches and hits. So you, you can't do that because you might win the MVP, and that puts you at, at lesser – 
or higher odds than other players or you might do this like it's so dumb like let let people like obviously like it's a great talent let's appreciate that let's let the fans have a chance obviously the injury it's unfortunate she can't because it's probably may be her last shot at the olympics i think i think gymnast usually 24 25 is like kind of the age um they drop out at or retire quote unquote well seeing that the olympics will come back in three years because this is making up for last year's yeah she may be able to. She'll only yeah. be 27. Yeah. So, and knowing her, she's the best in the world. Why not? Oh, yeah, that would be, that would be great. I would, I wouldn't hate that at all. So um, definitely would be good to see there. So um, definitely interesting to keep in there. And then back to the NBA a little bit, just some quick hits before we get over to baseball draft Thursday. Uh, yeah. Kate Cunningham is most likely going to be the one overall. That's pretty much what I heard. I heard between him, Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. Uh, pretty stacked mm-hmm. top of the draft class this year. I heard Evan Mobley's name thrown around a lot. Uh, basically would be number one in pretty much any other draft other than the Zion year. Uh, probably would be a number yeah. one pick, and he's most likely going to slide to three. Jalen Green, interesting story there. Bypassed college to play straight in the G League. So now he actually goes from the G League to the NBA draft, which I think is really interesting to see there. Um, so draft night will be interesting. I don't know if you're going to see many trades. I haven't really been following Woj on Twitter. Um, haven't really seen any like trade rumors, so we'll see what happens. But I think Cade Cunningham's going number one to the Pistons, if you ask me. Um, I'm trying to remember who has the number two pick. I don't know why I can't remember on that, but um, oh, the Rockets. Rockets have two, so obviously probably going Jalen Green. I could see Cleveland going Evan Mobley at four. They do need some height there, so um, that'll be interesting to see. We got Toronto four. That'll be an interesting pick as well. So. Maybe yeah. see some draft night trades. Keep it interesting there. Um, Most likely will. Yeah. And then speaking there already, I guess, was technically one draft day trade um, or trade involving draft picks. we got Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, and two future first rounders, including the 10th pick in this year, uh, going from New Orleans to Memphis for Jonas Valanciunas and the 17th overall pick in this year's draft. So uh, swapping center, mm-hmm. swapping Eric Bledsoe, who you mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, um, has kind of become trade bait over the last few years and then two draft picks. Yeah. So uh, kicking off NBA free agent friends or uh, trading frenzy. Yeah. I think having Bledsoe and jaw in the same backcourt is going to be pretty nice. I, I like that mix. Yeah. Cause we'll I see. think they're Josh jaws, very aggressive where Eric's more like technical or mechanical and just mm-hmm. likes to get the ball around and play in space. So I think that's a good like mix of two different changes of pace basically for, how they want to play it with their point slash shooting guard position. Yeah. Also be interesting to see if Memphis uses Bledsoe as trade bait for another trade, maybe a draft night yeah. trade. Cause now they do. Um, I mean, they only, they did trade away two draft picks. So maybe they are trying to build now, build around John, maybe get some better. I mean, Bledsoe Adams, both veteran guys who have been there. Adams was on some of those really good OKC teams back in the Durant Westbrook days. So um, maybe yeah. they're trying to just build some veteran presence. Cause obviously they're a young team. They did beat the Jazz in one game, did win in the playing tournament two games. So, uh, like you said, Memphis at the finals, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. And then the other thing that I saw was – I'm not sure if this is exactly related to this trade or not, but I think I read somewhere that one of their two future first-round picks is originally from the Lakers, and it's a protected top-10 pick. So, I'm not positive if that's directly related to this trade or not, or if that was just mentioned saying the Lakers have a top 10 projected pick for a future draft. But I, it'd be weird that they would just have that, you know, mentioned and yeah. that not be part of this trade. So let's see. I no, you're right. ESPN you're right. Movie. It yeah. is. Yeah. So it is uh, the Pelicans are including the Lakers 2022 first round pick protected to 10 um, so if it's in the top 10, it'll default to it's 2023. Um, oh, got it, got it, got it. My guess is, is that the Lakers continue what they're doing. It might not be protected top 10 with LeBron on that team. No. AD, they're still, but you never know. Um, so that's probably why they never did trade know. that pick. Cause it's probably a safe pick to trade. Um, Definitely. yeah. Yeah. You got anything else in the NBA and in basketball before we kick it over to uh, no, baseball? Pretty simple. I'm excited for draft night. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I, I mean, Kate Cunningham just signed with Nike today I, also. Yeah. So, I mean, he's going. Well. I, I doubt, but who he's knows? Well. Like I said, like this draft class didn't seem too – like 
I think it's because the top four players are all really close to playing level. So that's why I think this class isn't standing out, especially short in season and not having March Madness last year. Yeah. You know, like, and granted, like most of these guys are freshmen anyway, so it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, but still, like having basketball canceled, like you didn't see nearly as many of the hype videos as we got for, let's say, Zion coming out of college or some of the guys coming out now. Who's the guy? Not, is it Uslim, the one-armed basketball player who's just a freak? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I could be botching that name completely yeah. wrong, so apologies for that. But, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This, I feel like this draft class is being very under-advertised. I, I think so, because I think it's too part of the program. I mean, like I said, Jalen Green's a G League guy. You didn't see him in college. The G League isn't getting over yeah. – people aren't looking at the G League and watching G League highlights. Evan Mobley, USC, pretty good basketball cr- program, but wasn't moving heads. Cade Cunningham, obviously we all knew about him, played at Oklahoma State. They had a pretty solid season, but – I think they were a four or five seed in the tournament, but uh, these guys weren't playing at the Kentuckys and the Dukes and the North Carolinas and the UCLA's of the world. They were playing at these smaller programs, um, especially, like you said, during a COVID year. I just don't think they got the, the recognition because, like I said, Evan Mobley, other than in that Zion draft over the last five, six years, probably would be the number one overall pick, and he's most likely going at three or four. Exactly. So, so. yeah. Well, uh, sweet. Yeah. Baseball's been uh, – I'm, I mean, I feel like I say it every week, but I'm excited. This is, uh, this has just been absolutely bonkers of a season. Um, and from the Red Sox being in first, Giants being in first, uh, Brewers having as big a lead as they do, Houston bouncing right back. It's just been NL East, Braves, no one expecting them to do what they do. Yankees, obviously, we've talked about before. Twins in last place of the AL Central. It's just been absolutely wild. Um, so you want to kick it off with hitter of the week? Got to go with Juan Soto, man. I mean, he's just been absolutely electric. The 22-year-old is insane. Over the past 10 games, he's had 36 at-bats. In those at-bats, six home runs, six strikeouts, wow. 11 walks, 13 RBIs and nine runs, paired up with a 361 batting average and a 1.427 OPS. Absolutely insane. He's been doing the best he can to carry the national team that has not stepped up to the plate. In the Nationals' defense, they played some of the toughest teams in the MLB. And coming up, they have some series against the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies. They're in a four-game series with the Phillies right now. They lost by a run last night. So if there's any time for the Nationals to get back into the playoff race, they're eight and a half back from the Mets right now who still have some extra games to play at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I think the Nationals have a legit shot if they can win the majorities of the really? majority of the games going into it. You know, they, they have a sh- pretty solid roster and they're playing in the weak any NL East. You know, it's just really the um, it's the Mets right now that are running the show, and there's still some games they've yet to play. So, and the Mets suck. Like <laughs> they, they have injuries, and when their pitching's good, their hitting sucks, and when their uh, pitching sucks, their hitting's good. Like yeah. they're the most inconsistent team in the MLB and they're in first place. That just tells you the story of the NL East. Yeah. And we'll get to it in a second with the trade deadline coming up, but I, I honestly do think the nationals are done. I know they have a lot of divisional games coming up, but I think after Mm -hmm. that, uh, I think they just got swept by the Orioles this weekend. Um, And anytime, I mean, the Red Sox did get swept by the Orioles earlier in the season, but used it as motivation. I think I've heard Max Scherzer is willing to waive his 10-5 rights. I've heard Trey Turner is on the trade block, which I don't understand at all, but I've heard the Nationals are not willing to build around him, um, obviously. So pretty much anyone not named Juan Soto, like you just mentioned, on this team um, is fair game at the trade deadline. I've heard Red Sox, Oakland, Yankees, uh, possibly uh, doubt they'll trade in their division, but Mets. Um, all rumored to Max Scherzer, even the Dodgers um, and Padres. We'll get to the, like I said, we'll get to the deadline in a little bit. But um, have to disagree with you there. I, I, I love the Nationals. They're one of my teams to be excited about, but um, I don't know. I just don't see it, especially if they give away all their pieces. If they hold on to Scherzer and Trey Turner, maybe there's a shot. Um, yeah, and, and I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying if they want to, oh, yeah. they have to win the majority of these games. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. I mean, at the, and it would be very Nationals-like if they traded their best pitcher and then continued to go on a massive win streak. That would be pretty national. And win another World Series. Yeah, hey, who knows? they got to just win the NL East because I don't think any team out of the – no team is getting a wild card out of the NL East. I think that's a, a fair assumption to make at this point, yeah. um, almost in August. So well. Um but speaking of divisions that could potentially get a wild card spot, uh, my hitter, I got, we talked about him with the Boyers, not Ballers in a little bit of detail, but I got the Seattle Mariners 
Took three Ooh. out of four from Oakland. Got to uh, within a game and a half of the second wild card right ahead of the Yankees, Blue Jays, Indians, some teams that we thought were going to be competing for that spot. Last night, down 7 nothing to the Houston Astros, who, as of last night, were the best record uh, in the American League, have been probably one of the best offensive teams in baseball um, this season. Blew a 7 to nothing lead against the Mariners. Mariners came back, hit a, uh, I think it was Ty France, probably not, but someone hit a grand slam uh, in the eighth inning, um, down 8-7. to seven. Mariners win 11-8. They are one game back of the Oakland athletics. And I'm going to be honest, I don't even know half the guys on the Mariners. I mean, I know Dylan Moore, <laughs> obviously Seager, Hanniger, guys who have been there a little bit of time. Uh, I think it's Kima Chowie, the, the pitcher. I am probably butchering his name, but he was the all-star pitcher. He didn't even have a great start against Oakland. But like I said, one game back of the second wild card, uh, right? They're going to be buyers at the deadline. Uh, you know, all of their wins, um, in that Oakland series were one-run wins. They went on a walk-off wild pitch on Saturday. Uh, Ty France had a big series against Oakland, 5 for 14. The Mariners' bullpen pitched 12 and two-thirds innings, only gave up two runs um, in all three of those wins uh, in the series against Oakland. So, I don't know, man. Look out for Seattle. Oakland's been struggling. Their pitching, Bassett, Manaya have not been great. Matt Chapman, obviously, has been struggling huge this year. Uh, Matt Olson's really been carrying that team offensively. So, I don't know. If I was Oakland, I'd be a little bit worried. I know the Yankees haven't played great recently, but obviously they're only three and a half out, and we know they can catch lightning in a bottle really quick. I know Judge has been out the past two weeks. Judge has been out. Urshela recently, I think Sunday was his first game back. Sanchez was recently yeah. back. And not, um, not that he's a huge impact player, but when he plays, yeah, he's he, our best player. He is. Higashioka is another one. Yeah. That's Higashioka, not Urshela. Um, well, Urshela, so Urshela did come back, yeah. Yeah, he did come back, but I'm saying Higashioka also got um he got reinstated today yeah. too. Oh, okay, yeah. So like I said, and Urshela was on Sunday was his first game back, and he did some damage against yeah, the Red yeah. Sox. So, um, yeah, I mean overall, it's gonna be a very tight race, I think, in the American League. I think the I think right now the Red Sox Rays are gonna battle it out for the AL East. Right now, the Red Sox sit a game and a half up. They do play this weekend. Obviously, I think Chicago's going to hang on in the AL Central, and I do think Houston's going to hang on in the AL West, but it's going to be a matter of seeding out there at this point. So, um, yeah. Mariners are going to put a dent in that. They have some critical series coming up. Like I said, they're playing Houston this week, so that's a huge series right there, especially if Oakland ends up losing some of those games. Definitely. And just to correct you on the Ty France thing, it was actually Dylan Moore who it was the Dylan Moore. Okay. as a pinch hitter. Yes, so. it was. Yes, it That's was Dylan amazing. Moore. Yeah. I love when guys hit pinch hit grand slams. Yeah, I know. That's clutch. Um, so that's awesome. No, I'm I'm excited. Hopefully Seattle uh, longest drought in baseball and making the playoffs have not made it since two thousand and one. Ichiro's rookie year. They lost to the Yankees in the ALCS that series. Um, yeah. speaking of which, Yankees Red Sox whew. Yankees went from their win of the season to Red Sox having their win of the season. Um pretty much a rough series all around for um, the Yankees. I don't know if you have anything to add. I know we've been shitting on them all podcast that, long, but. There's got to be a stat somewhere. That has to be the first time a team has had a no-hitter going to the eighth inning up by three runs or more and ended up losing the game. I think it's happened four times. Wow. They said it's happened four times, but it had never happened where the team gets five hits in a row. And all of them end up scoring that in. I mean, that was like, so I was at that game and it was literally just like the place went from like, like Xander Bogarts in the seventh inning struck out and the catcher dropped it and he got to first. Uh, you literally would have thought he hit a three run homer. You like, yeah. that's how dominant Domingo Herman. And I hate Domingo Herman just cause we all know what he did off the field. I hate him. And the fact that it just went boom, 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 boom. I mean, seven guys got to the plate and five runs scored. It was just, yeah. I, I mean, Boone probably should I mean, I, I, I go back to the analytics. They probably shouldn't have pulled Herman. I think he should have stayed in that game longer. No, um, I agree. Ten, I mean, he had 91 pitches. Obviously, maybe let him get one more batter. Then if he gives up a second hit. I mean, guy gave up one hit, and it was a rocket double to right field that no one was catching. Yeah. Didn't get out of the park. I would have left him in. Try to at least get him through the eighth. Get him at least, you know, I think Renfro and Vasquez were up two right-handed hitters. So, um, play the matchup there. Let him continue to go. Get up to 100 pitches. And, uh, Booney pulled him. He left the next reliever in for four batters. Probably should have yanked him after three straight hits and didn't. Obviously came back to bite him in the butt. I mean, 
if you're a Yankees fan or a baseball fan in general and you think the Yankees have a shot at playoffs, you really need to reconsider your thought process and how you view sports and life in general. Like, it is, there's no way this Yankees team this year is making playoffs or even coming close to a wild card. I, they might be the second or third team back when the season's over because this team, granted, Judge has been out, Urshela just came back. This team doesn't have it, and we're looking to trade. We just got a pitcher who's got a five ERA and like a one point six WHIP. We're we're looking for guys who aren't going to help us in the long in the short term or the long term. Like this team just can't figure it out, man. And it starts with Aaron Boone, and it starts with upper management. We we have to get rid of Boone, and I think when that happens, faith will be restored in the Yankees. I thought Boone was great his first two years here, but after the COVID season last year and seeing what's happened this season, especially after the start and how we rebounded after our start to now this, any other team would have ridden that hot wave of starting off really bad and then becoming the best team in the MLB a month later and then going back down. No other team in the MLB, not at least as bad as the Yankees have gotten. And I say they're bad. They're 51 and 47. Like that's a good record in the MLB. But that's not going to get you to the playoffs. Not in this American League with, like I said, how great Seattle's been. I know Oakland's been shaky. Astros, obviously. Astros, White Sox, Red Sox, Rays. Just those teams have been phenomenal. And even the Rays, the Blue – or not the Rays, the Blue Jays Jays. have been good. Even though they're they're a game back from the Yankees, like the Blue Jays have been competitive. Yeah, they have one of the best run differentials in baseball – in the AL. I think they have a better run differential. Maybe it's close now, but then the Red Sox, they did at one point um, recently, like maybe as of a week ago. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I can't – I mean, especially, too, you guys had probably your win of the season on Saturday coming back from 3-0 in the eighth, and then just to basically flip the script on Sunday just kind of knocks the wind right out of your sail. You had a chance to split at Fenway. Really, chance to take three at four because Thursday night you guys are up 3-1 with two outs and two on, and Kike obviously has been the Red Sox' most clutch hitter for the last month. But um, Because, I mean, I'm looking at it. Stanton had a hit in every game that series. Torres had four RBIs. I mean, you were to tell me that – you were to tell me Domingo Herman no hits the Red Sox through seven innings. I'm telling you it's at least a split, if not three or four, in the Yankees' favor. And you wake up Monday morning and it's the exact opposite. You're nine games out behind the Red Sox and Rays. So Exactly. Clutch series. You guys are playing the Rays this week, so if any damage is going to be done for those Yankees fans who still think there's a shot, who are wanting to get Trevor Story and give up young pieces for it, this week is the ultimate week telling or yeah. uh, storytelling of it all, especially Red Sox play Rays this weekend. So the Yankees are going to have to basically sweep this weekend to gain ground on one of the two teams. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So um, one quick tidbit I did just want to throw out there. I'm looking at the MLB standings now. So other than, and this doesn't come across, Oakland, who is 0-10 in their last 10, the Washington Nationals, who we talked about, 3-7, and and then the Reds, who are 3-7. and no team in baseball right now in their last 10 is better than seven and three. And other than those three teams, no team is worse than four and six. Wow. So 27 teams. we got Red Sox seven and three, Rays seven and three, uh, Seattle obviously seven and three. And then, I mean, pretty much the whole NL West is five and five other than the Rockies who are four and six. So um, we've got a, just an absolute tight race going on here. Um, you're not seeing teams, like I said, other than a few streaks here and there. It's been very jam-packed. And I think it's going to make very interesting for a deep pennant run, especially in the American League. I think the NL is almost set. I think the Phillies can, like I said earlier, make a comeback. But Milwaukee, I think, is going to win the NL Central. Obviously, the NL West, depending on just seeding at this point, who's going to win the division, I think it's pretty much all set in stone out there. Um, Definitely. Red Sox race is going to be an interesting race to see who can win the division. I think whoever doesn't will be the first wildcard team and be hosting that game. But we all know the importance of, uh, of that winning the division because you don't have to play in a one game playing scenario. So exactly. That'll be interesting down the stretch. So just want to throw that out there. I thought that was really interesting. It's been so tight. I like that. Um, Do you think that attributes to just like teams coming out of the all-star break and just teams kind of lulling their way out? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, the Red Sox were last night when I looked at this, I think uh, since he was four and six, the Red Sox were only six and four. So um, yeah, I mean, a little bit if you if you look at it that way. Um, also, just, yeah, maybe some teams playing down, some teams playing up the level. So, um, I mean, Twins are in last place of their division right now, so it's just absolutely yeah. nuts. Um, with that being said, though, how close it's been, trade deadlines this Friday, July 30th, not the 31st this year, first time they're doing it on the 30th. 
uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. We already had Nelson Cruz going to Tampa. Adam Frazier to the Padres. The Padres are not fucking around this year, no. um, especially because they already have a second baseman in C.J. Cronenworth. So, or Jake Cronenworth, I should say, not C.J. So, um, Frazier can play outfield. Cronenworth can play first base and outfield. So, you're going to see a lot of um, utilization there. Jose Barrios from the Twins. Uh, has been rumored to both the Dodgers and Padres. Obviously going to be competitive to get him. I think the Dodgers are really eyeing him um, with Trevor Bauer probably being out the rest of the season at this rate um, with the criminal charges on him. Uh, Max Scherzer, obviously to the Mets has been rumored. Trevor Story to the Yankees. And then the Cubs basically cleaning house. We're hearing Rizzo's gone, Baez is gone, Kimbrell's gone, um, and uh, Bryant, uh, Chris Bryant's probably gone. So, I don't know mm-hmm. if you have any, if you've heard anything or if it really like followed much of the news with the Yankees or just in general, but any of these guys like throw a, you know, show any interest to you, just, you know, any interesting places you see where guys might end just up. Chris Bryant, man. Cause he was so dominant a couple of years back. And I think if he gets to the right place, he could pop off again. Mm-hmm. Like he did in the middle yeah. of the season. Yeah. I mean, he was an all-star this year. Uh, he can yeah, play left. Exactly. He's played, he's played in the show during the all-star game too. He's played right, he's played left, he's played second, he's played first, he's played third. So he can be a really good asset to any team, just given that he can play any position. He's a free agent after the season. Rizzo, potentially a Red Sox, I heard. Back to where it started would be interesting. Craig Kimbrell, I heard, might be reunited in Cincinnati. Um, interesting to just see the Cubs, too, kind of just how quickly. I mean, they won their division last year, and now they're they're selling ship at the deadline, so... Um, and they were they were in first at the beginning of the season in May. I remember we had Brad on. They were one of the hottest teams in baseball. Um, yeah, I know. The month of May. So now they're kind of doing what we all thought. I think in the beginning of the season, a lot of people had Cubs finishing third or fourth in the division, and that's probably where they're going to end up um, this year. So, um, yeah, we'll be interesting to see there. Scherzer, obviously, like I said, Mets. Uh, a lot of teams. I mean, maybe maybe Seattle's buying. That'd be interesting to see Max yeah. Scherzer in a Seattle Mariners uniform. That'd be Oakland. cool. I would like that. Um, Oakland. I'm trying to think who else. I mean, I don't think the White Sox are making too many moves. I'm gonna be honest. His eyes would match their colors. Finally, <laughs> true. That would be a, that would be a first. I mean, Scherzer even to the Dodgers. That that could mm. very well happen if Barrios ends up in San Diego. Vice versa, if Barrios ends up in. Uh, Dodger Blue could see Scherzer because Eric Hosmer apparently the first baseman for the Padres is on the block because now Cronenworth could shift over the first Frazier yeah. second. Um, I'm not shocked by that. I'm not either. The thing is, it's it's a tough contract to trade. I think he still has like yeah. three or four years left with 20 mil a year. Not that he's a bad player. I mean, he's obviously won World Series before, but definitely on the back end of that um, heavy contract. So. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting trade deadline. I think if the Red Sox, personally, if they do make any moves, you're going to wait until the absolute last minute when the value for these guys is a little bit lower than normal because Bloom is not one to kill the farm system. The Red Sox, I think, have a solid farm system right now. We just called yeah. up Jaron Duran. We've cast us down in the minors. So, obviously, we're in a win-now mode, but I don't think we expected to be here at this point either. So, um, I agree. If you were to ask me, you know, two years ago. So, um yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think I think out of those Cubs guys, I think you see at least two or three of them get traded. It wouldn't shock me if Baez stuck around and maybe even Rizzo because um, the asking prices might be a little bit too high for those two guys. But Brian, I think, is gone. Kimbrell, I think, is good as gone. Teams need relievers at this point in the year. Everyone needs relievers. I agree. Yeah. Well, um, and then – crazy. Yeah, and then just quick hit. Uh, MLB draft was two weeks ago, a week and a half ago now. Obviously, we know what happened. Biggest shock to me, Kumar Rocker from Vanderbilt falling all the way down to number 10 in the Mets. So he's going to be a good asset for them and that young pitching staff they have there. Hopefully, he can make it up before DeGrom retires because that would be great to see uh, the two of them in that same same unit. Um, Well, that's pretty much everything baseball I had to cover. You got anything else? Do you want to kick it over? No, I'm good. We – Busy week. We, yeah, busy week. And I know we haven't talked about the NFL in two weeks. For those that are listening at home, uh, Fantasy Pod is going to drop this Friday. Okay. Uh, we recorded it last week. It was me, Eric, and Mitch since Jack was on vacation. Um, so that will be dropping this Friday once awesome. we get that rolling. But NFL, this week has been absolutely nutters. A uh, lot of great things have happened. Aaron Rodgers, first and foremost, officially back in the building, reworked his deal with the Packers. Basically, he's going to play this year. 2022 gives him the freedom if he wants to to test out free agency, but if he doesn't, will play again 
for the Packers without signing a new deal. And then 2023 is completely voidable. If the Packers don't want to bring him back in 2023, they can choose not to bring him back for 2023. So Rodgers gets the immediate, like, if I, if I want to make a move, I can make a move. And then in, in last year of his deal, if he wants to stay, but the Packers don't want him, they can get rid of him. So very friendly deal for both sides. I think both sides get what they wanted in this deal. This also helps out the Vontae situation with whether he wants to come back or not. I think he wanted to leave because of what was going on with Rodgers and not having his QB. Um, but that's crazy there. What are your thoughts on the whole Aaron Rodgers situation and the development? Just uh, so much development in the past two weeks alone. Yeah, I think Rodgers comes out on top of this one just by a little bit. I think the Packers obviously get more um, of what they wanted because obviously Rodgers wanted to com- basically completely screw them over, it sounded like. Um, so I think he's gone after this season. I don't think he's coming back in 2022. I think Jordan Love is the is the route that they're going to go in or make a trade of some sorts. But uh, I think he's going to play with a lot to prove this season. It's going to be interesting. The Bears are – I think the Bears are going to be good. Vikings are going to – that defense is going to surprise a lot of people. So it's going to be – he's going to have a lot of people after him. Um, yeah. So I think he's – this is his last year as a Packer. This might be his farewell tour. Um, out in Green Bay before, you know, this offseason. And obviously, we'll see the quarterback carousel go in 2020, the 2022 offseason. Yeah, the last dance, man. And for those that did not know, the Packers actually offered him the largest contract in NFL history, would have made him the highest payer, uh, player ever, and he denied it, just showing he really did not care about the money. He just wanted a friendly situation for him. Yeah, is Absolutely. Earlier this offseason, Chandler Jones says he wanted out of Arizona. That finally came to light. I think I've known this for the past two or three months now, but he's not happy with this contract. Um, it was very front-loaded, so now he's not making a whole lot of money. Um, but he did show up to train uh, to training camp today. So with the new NFL uh, CBA, with the Players Association, basically if you hold out, you get fined. Or if you don't show up to training camp, you get fined uh, 50K every day you don't show up. So a lot of guys now are showing up to training camp and will just either not participate or will participate as little as they can. And now it's more of a holding in rather than holding out to see what they can do about their contract. So I I think this works out well because I think holding out hurts the team and also hurts the player. So I think forcing them to show up like shows like even though they're being forced to, it gets them in the building, gets them with their buddies, gets them with the coaches, and it just I think it helps all all around. So I think it's a smart move to do that. Yeah. No. It makes so, sense. Yeah. And speaking of the new CBA and holding in, Deshaun Watson did show up to training camp yesterday and because he showed up he had a talk with the Texans, and they finally came to the decision that they are going to trade him. They're trying to find a possible suitor. The 22 sexual assault cases are still alive and active, even though things are trending that he is going to get away, uh, get out of everything and he is going to be proven innocent. Still a lot of questions up in the air. We're not sure exactly what's going to happen with that. But all trends lead towards he will be free of all charges and he's going to be playing football this year. So – he could get traded as early as the next two weeks and they're eyeing to get him traded before the season starts. But the Texans have been planning for him not to be their quarterback going into the season. That's why they drafted Davis Mills and the Tyrod Taylor's on that team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And let me ask you this. Where is it? Denver, basically. I don't feel like I've heard any other team. Denver, Miami, and Philly are the locations. Still Miami. yeah, but I, I think Miami wants to rock with Tua for at least one more year, and Philly wants to rock with Jalen Hurts one more year. Mm-hmm. I'd be shocked if he goes to Miami, but Denver seems like the main location, especially now that Aaron Rodgers' um, situation has fallen through. Yeah. So, and I think they could get a better deal for – not a better deal for Watson. Like, they'll have to give up a bunch of picks and probably give up some of their top players. But in the same respect, they won't have to spend as much money. True. So – yeah. I they you were gonna have to give up a lot either way to get either quarterback. So I think that's fine the way it is. What are your thoughts on the Deshaun Watson situation? Um I guess I mean to answer your question there, I would say I think he definitely I mean, I don't know, I can't speak to the sexual assault allegations, but uh, I think if he does get traded to Denver, that would be the best for him. Obviously there's some young talent there. They have Jerry Judy 
Uh, Cortland Sutton and Noah Font, obviously. So they have a pretty solid defense. They always seem to have a solid defense out in Denver. So I think Denver would be a really good fit for him. It would definitely be tough to win in that division with Herbert and Mahomes. But to get, I think I may have said this a couple podcasts ago, to get Watson and Mahomes twice a year, Watson and Herbert twice a year, uh, that would just make it so, so interesting um, in that division. You could really, really argue maybe that there's three playoff teams coming out of that division. Um, yeah. either this year or in future years for years, for years to come for years mm-hmm. to come um, with the franchise quarterbacks they have there. So I think Denver is probably makes the most sense. Cause I think like you said, Hertz and Tua both have earned one more year um, to give it a shot and really give it a go. Um, so if he does end up in Denver, I, I think that would be great. It would be great for the NFL and it would bring West coast football, you know, it'd be staying uh making sure we're watching those four o'clock games, Jordan. Yeah, I know. I would love to have Mahomes and Watson have a rivalry for years to come because they're really good friends outside of the NFL world. And I, I'm a big uniform guy. I hope that they would bring back the navy blue uniforms as their primary if Deshaun Watson ends up going there like they did mm-hmm. when Tebow was the QB. Because once Peyton Manning got there, that's when they switched back to orange. And not that I don't like the orange uniforms, I just think the navy looks so much better in my opinion. Baby blue, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Couple of transactional things that have happened. Steelers signed Melvin Ingram. They finally get their edge rusher opposite TJ Watt. They signed him to a one-year deal. Get a savvy veteran. He can help Alex Highsmith develop, who Alex Highsmith was a very solid rookie last year. I think he had a 70 PFF grade, which is really good for a rookie. Cowboys signed Malik Hooker, 25-year-old free agent safety, who's had a lot of injury troubles, but the ceiling is just way too high to not take a risk on him especially the Cowboys who are kind of in a bad secondary situation. So that's good there. Eagles signed Steven Nelson, who's one of the higher rated corners uh, that was on the free agency market. So that's a pretty good sign that he'll be working opposite Darius Slay there. So he'll be solid there. Titans signed John Simon. Bud Dupree started on the PUP list. So this seems like a good sign that John Simon will get playing time and good reps and he'll play opposite Harold Landry for the Titans. When it comes to some extensions, Fred Warner, now the highest paid linebacker in the league, five-year, $95 million extension. The Washington football team signs Jonathan Allen to a four-year, $72 million extension, and Logan Thomas to a three-year, $24 million extension. So they lock down two of their lesser-known players who make a huge impact on both sides of the ball. And speaking of guys that don't get a lot of recognition but are huge for their teams, Bengals signed Sam Hubbard to a four-year, $40 million extension. I wish the Bengals held on to Carl Lawson, but, you know, Logan Tom or not Logan Thomas, excuse me, Sam Hubbard's going to be fine, especially playing opposite Trey Hendrickson. Both are going to be solid working one-on-one together. Michael Thomas is on the physically unable to perform list. He had surgery back in June, and it has not recovered the way he wanted it to. Chris Hogan! So, yeah, the Saints signed Chris Hogan, who was in the middle of a professional lacrosse season. That's pretty pretty neat there. Uh, Tenga Jr., a former Saints receiver, announces yep. his retirement. One of the most, I, I, I say electric a lot, but I guess explosive receivers we've seen in the NFL. Great return man, one of the best slot receivers for a long time. Did really well when he was on the Panthers and on the Saints. Those were his two most, uh, those were his two best teams that he was on. Because yeah. um, he was on fire when he was there. Keeping it with the Saints, David Onyemata suspended for the first six games of the season. If you read my top uh, 12 defensive tackles of uh, 2020, David Onyemata made the top 10. I believe he was number seven on my list for interior defensive linemen. So that's going to be really hard hit for the Saints to take. They're losing guys on the offensive and defensive side of the ball to start the season. Speaking of guys missing this season, Cam Akers is going to miss the entire 2021 season with a torn Achilles was probably going to be the most approved player from last year in the NFL. Um, very high on a lot of fantasy boards. Some people were taking him top 10. He was high. He was my offensive player of the year. Literally. I had him ranked pretty high in mine as well. So, I mean, uh, it, it uh. just sucks to see. Daryl Henderson, though, he did well last year when he had his opportunities. He was in the top half, the first half of the season. He's a top three running back per PFF. So, there is some promise there, which is solid. And I'm rushing through all this because we, we got to get to a gritty conversation that I think you and I agree on, but there's been a lot of cloudiness around this. I don't know how comfortable you are about talking about this. I'm sure you have your opinions on it, but 
The yeah. NFL says they will force teams to forfeit due to an unvaccinated COVID outbreak if that game cannot be rescheduled. So let's say the Patriots and Jets play, right? If Zach Wilson isn't vaccinated and he gets COVID and he gives it to the entire Jets team, and that game cannot get rescheduled. Let's say it's a week 18 game. I don't know if they play week 18 or not, but it's a divisional yeah. game, so probably. Since that game cannot get rescheduled, the Jets have to forfeit that game. And everyone, not just the Jets, everyone in both teams do not get paid for that game. But that, Even that though, part's ridiculous. Yeah. So the, the money side of it's kind of ridiculous. The vaccination side, there's a lot of reaction from players across the league. There's some arguments against it. There's some arguments for it, especially within the Bills organization. But the main arguments for people not getting the vaccine are that it's not FDA approved and we don't know the long-term effects. The two main arguments that you can argue against, but it's a lot harder to argue against than rather than it's my constitutional right or, oh, I would do anything for this country. Okay, get the shot then. Like, you know, like it's like it's one of those arguments that like you – could argue against, but it's a lot harder to find something that's actually substantial. So, Jack, I want to get your thoughts on the NFL's move for this decision or for this decision and just overall what this is going to do to the league. I think it's going to divide the league in a lot of ways. You heard guys like D-Hop of your Arizona Cardinals and one of the <laughs> best faces, faces of football, really, uh, nice. talk about how he will, might retire because of this. Mm-hmm. Um. Really, I think the biggest takeaway take I have is, like you said, Jordan, if it's – if I don't think teams should be punished. You can't punish an entire team for one guy not being vaccinated. Um, I think it's, it's tough when you start to bring the whole political issue into it, but it's not really a political issue. It's science, and I don't know. I don't want to say just get the vaccine because it's the easier out. Everyone has their reasoning for not getting it. But at the same time, I mean, you're putting your whole team at a risk if you don't get your vaccine. Not just from forfeiting a football game, but also from the COVID perspective as well as if you get COVID, you will give it to your teammates. They could give it to their families. Who knows? They might be living with their mothers, mother-in-laws, grandmas, kids with, uh, you know, who might have, um, you know, asthma or whatnot, something along those lines. So if I'm, an NFL coach, I'm saying it is still your decision, but think about the guy next to you that maybe got the vaccine. Yeah. And That's how I would word it. Yeah. And th- there's a couple different takes, especially from people in the NFL world, people who used to be in the NFL world. Just two things that really stuck out to me. Michael Irvin said, I don't care about the right wing. I don't care about the left wing. I only care about a ring, and I will do whatever it takes to get a ring. And then he went on further to say that, look, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists that the government is trying to track you. They're trying to kill you. And he said this, they already have your social security numbers. They got your phone. They got everything. If they wanted to track you, they could. And if the government really wanted to kill us off, they could also. And he ended it on that. And I'm like, not a bad point. Not a bad point. Definitely a worthy argument. But something that really stuck out to me was Ron Rivera came out today. The Washington football team is the lowest vaccination rate. I believe they're just above 60%. They're one of five teams to be below 70% for at least one shot. Not even fully vaxxed, just one shot. one shot. Ron Rivera literally had cancer and recovered. He, and, but he's immunocompromised because of his uh, recovery process. Mm-hmm. So he said he is beyond frustrated. He's highly disappointed in the players. Your head coach is immunocompromised and could die if someone on the team gets COVID and it gets transmitted to him. Mm-hmm. And some of the players still are not taking it seriously to the point, well, or they're taking it seriously to the point of not getting the vaccination. It's to me, I'm just like, you're a professional athlete and yes, you're, you're allowed to stand for what you want to and you're allowed to have an opinion. And we, we praise people who stand up for stuff when it comes to the BLM movement when it comes to gay rights movement for pride and whatever else, mental health, we stand up and we look for that. Those are all health related aspects and safety related aspects and social related aspects. When people argue against the, the vaccine, it's for their personal protection and it's their right to choose to take the vaccine or not, just like any other vaccine, like the flu shot, 
um, any other vaccines that they get throughout their life. In this situation, when we are in the middle of a pandemic, that's starting to ramp back up with the Delta variant and what we're seeing. And it has been, quote unquote, approved by the FDA for emergency use. Vaccines normally take five years to get approved by the FDA. The FDA is going to approve this in August. They, they've already come out of a statement. They're going to get it approved in August. And that's less than a year from the vaccine being released. All, almost eight months since the vaccine's been released to the public. And they're getting it approved. And they've had 10 times the amount of test subjects, 10 times the amount of research and money put into a vaccine. So at this point, the science is there. The evidence is there that it is not harmful. And you can argue long-term effects all you want. You're at a much higher risk long-term if you get COVID rather than getting the vaccine. And it's not even close. Like we still don't know the long-term, the true long-term effects of COVID itself, not yeah. the vaccine, you know? And I know I'm going yeah. on a tangent here, but no, it, just, you're, it pisses me off, bro. No, you're, you're right. And I mean, I, as you can obviously tell, I mean, not just you, but anyone listening. I mean, I'm an advocate of the vaccine. I mean, I, I work in healthcare. I don't work directly with patients, but I work in healthcare. Um, at the time when I got it, I was living with my dad who had had some heart issues in the past. My mom, who again, wasn't going into work every day, but you know, kind of like the reason you wear a mask. I don't want to say you should get the vaccine to protect others around you, but that's a big part of it because you hear the science behind it. And, um, you know, if two vaccinated people, if one is to get COVID and you're vaccinated and they're vaccinated, the chances of you distributing that to other people or even you yourself getting it um, is a lot less. So I think at the end of the day, you really just got to think about your teammates, your family, and really, I think, make the best decision, the decision that's best for you. And if it's not to get the vaccine, you better have a damn good reason for it, especially exactly. in the NFL. Like you said, that's kind of my, my two cents on it. I don't want to go on a rant either, but. No, ex um, exactly. And yeah. granted, like some people don't get the vaccine because like there's actual health reasons to not get the vaccine. And I'm not shooting down people for mm -hmm. those reasons at all. Like I actually greatly agree with that. If you have health, pre existing health conditions, that would be worsened because of the vaccine or the vaccine would change like the chemicals in your body and mm -hmm. would not, would not help you out at all. If you got the vaccine, then don't get it. That yeah. is, that's why we have that, you know, yeah. but in the same respect, it's just like, it, something's got to get like, you're, you're a professional athlete. You work for a private organization and yes, the people make the point, well, it's a HIPAA violation if they're doing this. Nothing says they're being forced to get it. They're just putting a rule in place that if you are unvaccinated and something happens, this is what will happen. And yeah. even though it's an extreme, it's just something crazy but yeah. something d hop said and this is my last point before we go on <laughs> yeah i know i've been going for a while d hop said um the reason why he's not getting the vaccine is because his girlfriend's brother is in the military and got the vaccine and had heart problems right after and you could say that well it's a coincidence he got the vaccine and then had heart problems or that's the main cause my point is he's in the military and there's a lot of stressful things that happen when you're in the military and just things that mess, like my dad was a police officer and he worked rotating midnight shifts for almost 20 years. And he has heart problems from that and brain problems from that. Not, not nothing severe, but his life expectancy is most is reduced because he worked midnights and worked rigorous hours and didn't have a steady sleep schedule for his career. Military is a lot worse. Like you, you can attribute it to the vaccine, but is it directly a cause to that? So I think when people just blame like, oh, I'm starting to have these problems and I just got the vaccine. It's definitely on the vaccine. It's something called recency bias. Like you literally, it's something recent that happened to you. So you're going to blame it on that. L last example, then I'll be done. When I got my concussion, when I was a freshman, I started to notice that one side of my face was a little more drooped than the other, or like my eyes were offset. One was higher on my face than the other. I guess I've always had a fucked up face because I looked at photos when I was younger and I was like, oh, my face always wasn't droopy to, or my face always was droopy to one side. It wasn't because of the concussion. You know what I mean? So yeah. that, that's the last point I make, but, gotcha. it, but ho hopefully it will resolve itself. Yeah. Let's kick it uh, over to some late hits. Uh, I know you got some uh, some film sessions you got to get to for your big game on Saturday. Yeah, so, yeah, we do. Um, while we're on a serious note, I'll let you kick it off here because we had a sad pass yeah, this week in the, in the NFL. I heard about this one. It's tough. Yep. Uh, Jets passing game specialist Greg Knapp, uh, he passed away, unfortunately, earlier this week. He was struck by a car while riding his bike, trying to be healthy, doing something uh, beneficial for his life and his health, and – 
just uh, an unfortunate accident. 58 years old. He coached in the NFL for 27 years. Um, was going to be the main right-hand man to Zach Wilson in his development. So very – and then they were close. They got really close through this process over the past two months. So very sad to see happen. Um, thoughts and prayers to his family and to the Jets organization and just hope that everyone's – you know, it, I, I just hope that brighter days are ahead, you know. No, it was tough. I saw all the tweets – a lot of tweets on Twitter just about – you know, guys who uh, saw him from, you know, the Schefters of the world to former players um, and other coaches around the league. So um, definitely a tough loss there. Um, on a more positive note, though, we talked a little bit about it earlier. Olympics in full swing. U.S. women's mm-hmm. softball in the gold medal game against Japan. They were undefeated in pool play. Back-to-back walk-off wins are pretty cool. Um, been trying to kind of catch up, watch as I, as I go on. Skateboard, street skateboarding has been one of my favorite sports to watch. Mm-hmm. Three-on-three basketball is a thing, too. Definitely a little bit different. USA team is not good. Um, no. Serbia and <laughs> Poland, two of the top teams. Um, been pretty fun to watch on kind of more of a street ball aspect. You can tell I like mm-hmm. those street sports. So um, that's been fun. I don't know if you've had any takeaways from the Olympics so far other than – No, so three-on-three, is there a ref? Do they call their own it's, fouls? Uh, like... It's half court. They play 10 minutes to 21, ones and twos. There is two refs. There's out of bounds. There are fouls, and they don't shoot free throws until under two minutes. Got it. Interesting. So, it's okay. been fun to watch. It's definitely um, – and they don't have to check it up after every basket. It's timed. After you score, you just kick it right after the three-point line. So oh, that's awesome. You only have to clear it on a rebound – or on like a – on a miss. Okay, um, okay. So that's been pretty cool. Uh, quick MLB look ahead. Uh, this week we got the Braves and Mets – Braves at Mets, a five-game series. They played a doubleheader yesterday or playing through Thursday. Astros at Mariners, like I said, kicked off. Great start to that series last night. And then another mm-hmm. West Coast battle, Dodgers and Giants. Dodgers trying to climb back up to that top spot in the NL West. Uh, weekend, another huge uh, few matchups. Reds at Mets. If Reds want to get back into the NL Central race, they got to make some ground up against the Mets. Top two teams in the West kick it off this weekend. Astros at Giants. That's going to be a great series. And then the battle for the AL East. I'm excited for this one. Red Sox at Rays. Red Sox right now are one and a half games up on the Tampa Bay Rays for the American League East. They have the Sunday night baseball game from the worst stadium in Major League Baseball, the Trop. Excited for that mm, one. Um, love it. Cool. So do you want to do, let's see, because I know you got to go. You want to do all hard-hitting sports podcast team or trivia? Because I got uh, my two can, outfielders. Let, let's do the hard-hitting sports team, and then we will – See if we have time for trivia. Yeah, you can ask me yours because I didn't prepare one because we're doing this. So we're doing our all hard-hitting sports cast podcast baseball team. Mm-hmm. We're going to kick it off with outfield. So how this is going to work, we got our regular positions, outfield, infield, catcher. We're going to do three starting – four no, four starting pitchers, two relievers, and then, then a DH and three utility guys. So this will be a little bit of a longer one. But by the time we're done with it, we'll probably be midway through football season. So then we'll have guys that we talked about throughout the football season that we're fans of. So – uh, awesome. Jordan, you want me to count it down? I'll count it down because you're recording this time. True, true, true. So we're doing so. top two outfielders tonight. Doesn't matter if they're left, center, right, whatever it is. Ready? I think I think we might have the same guy. <laughs> we might. We All might. Right. Ready? Three, two, one. Nick, Nick Castellanos. Castellanos. Yes! Let's go! And there's a yes, drive sir. to deep left. Castellanos has hit it. I pride myself as a man of faith. <laughs> I apologize if I offended anyone out there. And that Castellanos oh, rounds third and heads for home. His fifth. Apparently, his first major league hit was when was Osama bin Laden got Lani killed. Lani I just died. saw yeah, that the other day. He's hit some home runs in some really bad situations. So, uh, welcome oh to the God. team, Nikki C. All right. Love ah, it. Second one, we might have another. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. All right. I, I'm going to give mine away a little bit. I've become a big fan of this man very, very recently over the past couple of months. I think I know who it is, and I think I might have the same guy. You count it okay. down. Three, two, one. Ronald Acuna Jr. Oh! Yeah, Verdugo. <laughs> You're not even going to argue that? <laughs> no, I love Acuna, but Verdugo. Oh, my God. No, I no, just... no see, so right. Verdugo was my third. Really Because I, I was going to fight to the death for Verdugo. Okay. Um, I'll give you but Verdugo. But I thought, yeah, I'll, no, yeah, you can have that. I love that. Dude, Verdugo, I Red love Verdugo. He's awesome, He's so especially awesome. after the dude threw the ball at him at Yankee yes. Stadium. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, we got three minutes before you got to get to film. 
Yeah, let's hit do me, some trivia. Hit me. hit me with your trivia. Awesome. All right. So, like I said earlier, the Bucks were the fifth team ever to be down 0-2 in the finals and come back and win the series. Mm-hmm. Can you name the other four teams and bonus points if you can name the year that they did it? You might be able to get two of these. The other two might be you a little said, harder. You said four teams have done it? Yes. Right. Besides, uh, besides the Bucks. Before yep. the Bucks. The 06 Heat. Yep. Um... Were any of them after the 2000s? Any of the other ones? One is after the two. One is actually very recent. Oh yeah, the the Cavs. Cavs are yep, the Warriors. The Cavs. Yep. And so all the others were before. Just you don't have to give me the year because obviously that's cheating. Yeah, all the other two were before 1980. Oh. Um. Seventy-one bucks. Ooh, no, that would have been cool if it was, though. Uh, um, it's probably the Celtics or Lakers. Celtics was one of them, 1969. Yep, I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, yes, you do. And then... This one might be a little tough. Sixers, 83? Nope. Oh, oh, you, said you, it was one... before, you said it was before 1980, right? It was before 1980, so let, let... Oh, we were doing so well. Give you one more hint. Yep. When Dame hit his clutch, oops. All right, so what's the team? Wait, say that one more time. Okay, so a certain player hit a clutch shot in the 2013 NBA playoffs, and it Mm -hmm. was the team's first playoff win in 14 years when he hit that shot in 2013. Okay, that was Dame over – oh, Houston? No, no, no. I thought you didn't hear the Dame part. Yeah, Portland. I thought I – yeah, I don't know if you heard. No, it's all good. Also, the, there is a there is a storm brewing here. So yeah. uh, the year was seventy. Was it seventy eight? Seventy seven. Seventy seven. Okay, cool. Well, uh, before we lose internet connection, and so Jordan can get to his film session, uh, I'm gonna hop off. You got anything quickly you want to add, Jordan? Nope, we are losing internet connection. So I'm going to end the podcast right now. Uh, We're going back to saying get Rod on the pod. So uh, as always, thank you all for listening. Be on the lookout for Jordan, Mitch, and Eric's fantasy episode. And let's get Rod on the pod.